Welcome to Marketing Management and Money. This is Ryan Murray and Ethan Migliori. So um, we're kind of on part three, unofficially. Every single episode that we've done, the last two episodes, we always end the episode saying we should talk about you know, the, the, the following topic. And, and so th- this one is now on training, which we sort of left off with the last episode talking about, about training. So I, I don't know that it's a requirement that you listen to those first two episodes, but we always like when people tune in. So go ahead and check those, you know, last two episodes out. Make sure that you're caught up to speed with what we're doing. But uh, what what was brought up in the last episode was the idea of ongoing training for your company. And really what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about um, techniques to make your training effective. Because um, unfortunately, and this is kind of what spurred it, was this notion, and I see this all the time, where I'll go into businesses. Uh, I saw this especially when I was doing a lot of consulting and I would ask them about their training programs, and invariably they would just pull out this three-ring binder, and brush the dust right. off of it, open it up, you know, give me some cheesy saying that was like <laughs> on the on the front cover that you know some you know stitch in nine saves or stitch in time saves nine and training is worth every dime, you know. I mean, like some stupid thing that that, that was going to be there, and uh, um, I, I had I had one guy. Oh, this is this is bad, but this is funny. So he had this training program. He spent a lot of money on it. A lot of it. Tens of thousands, might have even been hundreds of thousands of dollars on this training program. And so I am, you know, he's telling me about this and he's bragging about this training program and how amazing it is. And and it looked a little off to me. So, you know, I did just a simple Google search and the very first thing that came up was that this particular training program is a scam, that they just kind of take people for money. Oh, no. So I went and told him this. You know, I'm just like, hey, you know, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but, like, you know, this this training program is a scam. It didn't go over well. He did not appreciate it. Uh, did not change anything, you know. and that That's the joy of being yeah. a consultant is – you know, like they, some people want to change, some people don't want to change. And I guess, I guess that doesn't matter. But anyway, yeah. Uh, one of the other guys that worked there afterwards, he pulled me aside and he said, yeah, you're not the first person to tell him that. And I should have warned you that that never goes well. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, we're we're, we're going to talk about you know what what exactly does it mean to train your workforce? Um, you know, let's let's get into kind of the formal side of training, and uh, let's get into the informal side of training, and and kind of where I want to start with. So, uh, Ethan, you've had a lot of experience uh, overseeing some state-run training programs. So, uh, in particular, the state of Utah actually invests. Uh, a couple million dollars annually, uh, maybe even more than that. Yeah, probably more. You know, I mean, it might be five, ten million dollars annually that the state of Utah and Utah's not a big state. You know, like when when you think about Utah compared to other places, you know, like Texas. That I mean, Texas is huge. Uh, and I'm not talking just, you know, landmass. I'm talking like population and number of businesses and things like that. But but you've overseen uh, a lot of these programs uh, for different regions, uh, you know, through throughout some of your entrepreneurial endeavors that you've done. Um, 
just just kind of give me give me some idea of you know like how do you find good quality trainings out there like what what, what are some ways if a business wants to engage in training how do you find something of quality um, before I answer that question I'm gonna caveat your kind of something that another a trend that we see way too often that you need to watch out for is I find that business owners are really good at providing themselves with training. They tend to be (laughs) (laughs) accidental when it comes to making sure their employees are trained. Mm. So I want to preface everything we do. So if you're in that position and you're an owner slash manager or in a... Can can, can we jump into this for a second? I know you were going to make this, you know, just kind of like a quick side note, but I, I, I want to talk about something and I'm I'm theorizing here. So, you know, okay. I don't, I'll the, tell the, you if you're wrong. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Won't be the first time. <laughs> so it seems to me like people who have access to the financials or are in decision-making positions are the ones that are getting trained because they can make the decision to do that training. Correct. And and like I said, I'm theorizing here. I don't know if that's actually what the case is, but in the businesses that I've worked with, it seems like if if you're a position that is a decision maker, you know, like a management type position, or if you have access, no, I'm going to limit it just to the management type positions, you know, the CEOs, the upper managements, yeah. the VPs, those right. types of positions, uh, they tend to be the ones that are dictating all the training it's really hard to get bottom up, you know, someone coming and saying, Hey, I need this training or are you willing to invest $500 on me? Uh, You know, so you're saying, yeah, that's, that's correct. I I mean, well, I mean, you know, from training that uh, the really good stuff generally is not in your backyard. Okay. Right. So you're going to have to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, there's a lot more online, which is really nice. But I, I want to make sure same. that we talk about the difference between online and in person. Okay. So I'll hold that. Till yeah, we hold, talk about, hold okay. that. We'll, we'll kind of cover so, that toward the end. So when they start looking at budgets, then all of a sudden, uh, my training that I want to do is more important than the training I want to do for my employees. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm a priority over them. But the problem that we have with that is that uh, we find that managers, business owners tend to be more competent in their um, daily tasks mm-hmm. because of the little bit of training they do and other things than a lot of times their employees. Because they, you know, if, especially if you have any just entry level jobs, you have turnover, but so it becomes critical to have high impact training so we can get them up to speed very fast. Now, larger organizations are much better at it than you know, that 25 and less employees, that's, that's that that linchpin where we find they struggle. And and that's really, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's the core of our audience here is the smaller businesses, you know, and, um, and, and I want to talk about, um, and hopefully we'll get into this, man, there's, there's a lot with training. And so we're trying to try to piece it together. Hopefully we're not on, you know, down too many rabbit holes right off the, the bat. But when, when I look at training, there's the formal training, you know, like you sign up for a training program, it has an agenda or an itinerary, you know, it's got some deliverables, some checkpoints, yeah, yeah. those kinds of things. Um, but then there's also just the opportunities to get out and about. Uh, so um, I, I had a company that 
they had a very talented CFO, but it was her first time being a CFO. And, you know, she, mm. she had a master's of accountancy. So education wise, she was solid and, you know, but experience wise, she did not have right. the experience. Yeah. And so the company was trying to figure out a way to get some experience for her. And they kind of looked into some formal trainings and were struggling because with her master's of accountancy, she's like, I've covered all this. This is not where I'm lacking. What I don't know is what to do in these weird situations that keep popping up, how to handle these one-offs that, you know, yeah, that's a one-off, but it happens often. And so what they ended up doing is they ended up uh, putting together a networking lunch where they reached out to some other businesses in the area and just said, hey, uh, would would your CFO like to come have lunch? And there was about four of them that got together, and they just had a working lunch session. And I asked that lady afterward, I just said, hey, so how was that? And she said, that was fabulous. You know, like, she's like, I don't know if they got as much out of it because <laughs> I was kind of the newbie and I was really picking their brain. Yeah, yeah. She said, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a very informal, there was no agenda. It was literally just, hey, let's have lunch and let's just talk about some of the things, some of the issues that, you know, that arise in working with, you know, employees, payroll, HR issues, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, getting back to this idea of the, you know, the managers, the CEOs tend to be the ones getting the training. They're also the ones that are invited to the networking luncheons. They're also the ones that are talking, you know, they, they get to go to kind of those breakfast meetings or they, they get to go up to, you know, the state Capitol and, you know, have a, if there's ever a business day that, that happens, you know, with the government, then they're the ones that are invited to meet with the political leaders and other business leaders. And so even though that's not formal training, you're still learning a lot because you get to ask them questions of, hey, what do you do in these situations? And so they're they're getting opportunities from multiple angles, whereas kind of this lower, you know, lower paid positions, they they struggle unless there's a conscious culture. That, that's absolutely correct. And I want to, so let's jump back to your original question you asked me is how do you put together a training program then? Mm-hmm. Because you've outlined a number of concerns. We've outlined the fact that uh, we find that uh, management tends to be the better trained and it doesn't pass down through. Mm-hmm. And and so if you're in one of those positions to say, okay, all right, how do I establish this culture of training inside of my organization? Okay. Well, the first thing that we're always going to look at is uh, who do we want to train and what type of skill set are they looking for, technical or non-technical? Can I even change that already? And yeah. it's not a who do we want to train, it's when do we want to train. Uh, good point. You know, like you should literally, yeah, you literally should be training every single person within your organization regardless of their position. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's one thing, and, and I'm sorry to be hammering this point, but I see it where people kind of assume that certain positions don't really need training or they're like, well, they, I've trained them everything that that they need for their job. You know, there's no more training. Yeah, that's that, never true. That's never true. Yeah, and and so I want I want to I want to make that point, and I want to okay. get into that so, a little no, bit. Good. I'm glad you corrected me on that one because that that is uh, important to make sure that you do understand that is when do we do training because it needs to be consistent. Uh, in my opinion, consistent. Um, but as I look at 
the different departments, the different skill sets. The one thing I'm always looking at is how much of the training is technical versus non-technical. Okay. Let's put some definition around technical versus non-technical. Because we're not talking about software here per se. Yeah, technical means that there's um, sometimes a skill set. Maybe it has to do with hands. Sometimes it has to do with um, reading and understanding a diagram. Sometimes it uh, technical could be how to better function and use the software. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. T- technical training also tends to have a right and wrong answer. Correct. So, you know, if you are assembling a product, there's a correct way to assemble that product. There's an incorrect way to assemble that product. And so if it tends to be more black and white where, hey, this is how you do it. This is not how you do it. Those are more technical versus non-technical. Technical are easy to track and see progress as well. Mm -hmm. So that's anyway. So as you look at that position, technical means that we can actually gauge whether or not that skill has been achieved. Oh, that's really interesting when you said, you know, track progress, because I think about all of the, you know, the charts and the graphs that people want to have in their company. I'm like, if you're only tracking the technical, because that's what's going to show up in the charts and the graphs, then that's another reason why that non-technical training can slip through the cracks and we can forget that we haven't even done it. Because we don't put it up on a chart. It doesn't show a sales growth line or it doesn't show an efficiency graph or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Now, sometimes you can track non-technical and for a category of non-technical in larger organizations, you always see some type of harassment training. Mm-hmm. Non-technical, it's more informational. Uh, you know, don't do this, don't say that. Um, sometimes you can track it if we've had a lot of cases of complaints from people saying, hey, you know what, uh, so-and-so has, you know, been a little bit crude in their language and and those complaints decrease. We And so in some ways we can kind of track it, mm-hmm. but as a skill set, okay, uh, it's harder, to, it is harder to track. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not always definitive on what it is. And sometimes it, we deal with um, unorthodox uh measurements and or outcomes so it makes it really hard to compare apples to apples sometimes we're technical it's it's almost always really clear yeah so do we want to talk about technical trainings first or non-technical yeah. trainings yeah let's talk about technical trainings okay. um, technical trainings um, are easier to find and they're easy to easier to implement mm-hmm. and there's lots of resources for them yeah so um, I always recommend talking to local educators whether that's a um, sometimes even a high school, high school teachers, because you may not have a college or a tech college in your town or even close. I, uh, Those are my favorite places I, to start I, I was going to say, I, I mean, I appreciate that you're thinking outside of the box, but I do think it's worth pointing out that, you know, your tech colleges and your universities I think those are really a great resource, and They're you tend my to have you, you tend to have a land grant university that's going to have some sort Correct. of representation in your area, even if you don't have one in your direct, you know, yeah, and it might, city. It might be through broadcast, but generally they'll have some type of a presence, but not, but not always, or still even a big city. It might be ten miles across town, and that's kind of a hassle sometimes. To you know, and it takes me thirty minutes to drive ten minutes, or sure. it's frustrating. So. So anyways, but a lot of times they have outreach efforts, online resources. So I always recommend go there because you know the quality of the training will always be solid. Right. Okay. Um, but then you have uh, um, 
other technical training that you can get through things like LinkedIn? And I think Linda now is part of the LinkedIn type training. Yeah, LinkedIn learning kind of dominates absorbed. that space. And uh, a lot of those are fantastic mm-hmm. and they're legitimate. I mean, I know that uh, you've played in that world a little bit over the years to understand the quality of the training and um, so have this, found a lot of it's pretty decent. Yeah, this, this is my opinion on that. Um, YouTube has every bit of information that you will ever need. But the amount of garbage you have to sift through, find it. I don't think it's worth it ninety percent of the time. There are sometimes, you know, I mean, I'll tell, you know, I'll I'll, I'll tell people, hey, go find it on YouTube. Uh, but I only tell someone to go to YouTube if I know for a fact that what they're looking for is going to be non-controversial. And I mean, you think training yeah. trainings are controversial? Yeah. Like the way to do something, everyone's oh no no, this is the only way to do it, and so. I like it coming from a vetted source, not just some random dude's opinion who happens to get a lot of views because, you know, he's right. like made a, a, a really catchy video. So, um, you know, and, and Udemy, I, I put in a similar category to uh, YouTube. Uh, I mean, Udemy is a little bit more organized. Uh, there is, you know, uh, you know there, 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 there's a, a payment uh, feature to it. But honestly... I think if you're not willing to invest the dollars into your training and you're trying to do everything for free, you're losing like that. That's correct. That, that, that's, that's a bad approach to take. So if you want to get engaged in those online trainings, or even if you're, you know, if you're going to bring someone in, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're, they're kind of expensive. I'm like, yeah, they're expensive for a reason. The guy who's free you know, I, I, I had an experience and, and maybe I've got a chip, a chip on my shoulder and I should disclose this that, you know, so I, I, I'm a, I'm a professional trainer and I hire out my training services. And so I had this, uh, this group, they contacted me and they said, Hey, you know, we'd like you to do a, a training for us. You know, we, we hear that you do a fabulous job and we're really interested. I'm like, yeah, great. Happy to do it. Right. So they they were kind of local, uh, you know. It was still uh, you know like a couple hour drive from where I was, but when, where I live in a rural community, I kind of like to help the other rural communities. Right. So I said to them, I'm like, hey, I tell you what, uh, you know, I'll, I'll cut you a great deal and I'll do it for. I, I think I told them like 500 bucks for the training, and don't worry about the mileage which honestly in the training world is super cheap, right? <laughs> Horribly cheap. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I thought that I was doing a favor. So they come back and they're just like, um, yeah, we can't do that. And I'm like, so like you don't have the budget for it? They're like, no, we're not paying any of the other presenters. <laughs> and so we're not going to pay you. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I'm like, that's because all of your other presenters are just local volunteers who really may don't, or may not be. Credible. Yeah. You know? And so I'm like, um, okay, you know, it's fine. You know? And then there's like, so if you can't do it for free, I'm like, no, I can't do it for free. <laughs> like I get, I get, I gave yeah. you a discount. And if you don't value training, if you're not willing to pay anything for it and you're only going to go for the free resource, you get what you pay for. And that's fine with me, you know? And so I, you know, disclaimer, I'm here saying, you know, pay for training. I also sell trainings, but oh. it moves so much more efficiently and effectively when you get the right people and the right people cost money. So I can just see a question that's out there as we're talking about this, that someone's going to ask as well. 
what is the right amount that I should be budgeting for training? Mm. And I'm going to break it down per employee. Um, in general, I say, you know, you need to be planning on about $500 per employee per year. Mm-hmm. If you, and sometimes you'll be a little bit more, but sometimes you'll be a little bit less because if you can bring in a trainer and do a group training, they might only cost you 2000 and I've trained 10 people, so I saved some money. Sure, yeah. But, but generally, uh, you start getting much underneath that, and the quality of the training just does go down. Because there's even the good sites uh, like LinkedIn Learning, there's a cost when you want to get to the high-end training, mm-hmm. the good stuff, you know, the stuff that actually is done well, put together well. It's easy to follow. It keeps you engaged yep. so that your employees aren't just zoning out, trying to watch it or stay engaged. So there's components to a training that really engage people and make it so that their learning experience is fantastic and they want to continue to learn. So another thing that I want to add to that is don't underestimate the value of sending someone somewhere else. Yes. A lot of times people think that, well, I can just get it online. And so, you know, why would I, why would I pay for the travel? And I, so, you know, I had a situation where I, I had, um, it, it was an employee of mine that I wanted them to gain some experience. And so I sent them to a, uh, you know, I sent them to a, um, it was a, a trade show. And I told them, I said, I want you to go and network with people at this trade show. The trade show actually yeah. didn't cost, you know, it cost if you were an exhibitor, but if you were just attending, it was free. But a little um, bit of travel. <clears throat> the travel was the expense on that one. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I said, look, you've got to be exposed to other ways of thinking. You've got to be exposed because if I'm the only source that's training you, you're going to learn what I learned, the good and the bad. And so if yeah. you can complement that with other perspectives, then you can sort through the good and the bad and be like, oh, hey, you know what? This is, this is a better way of doing this. And so don't, don't totally discount sending people to other areas to network with other people, learn from other people, have different experiences. Well, and a, and a, lot of, a lot of trainers focus on more urban settings because there's a larger population to pull from. They sure. can get the economies of scale. Yeah. So... Uh, for the most part, and for them, in order to share their knowledge and their experience and their expertise, uh, because it it becomes a job for them in some ways in order to make a living per se. I know it sounds kind of weird that you're a trainer and you need to make a living doing a training because we don't really think of that. But if they're going to make a living and they make it affordable for everyone else, they need the economy of scales. So you're going to find that it's not uncommon that the closest uh, urban area is where you're going to find the best trainings. And, and budgeting to send them there, uh, like say for an average employee, $500, I can send them to a couple of trainings a, a year, a $100 hotel, maybe a registration of 99 to 200 bucks. Yeah, I can still get two good trainings in mm-hmm. for them, a two-day type training um, that's beneficial for them by doing that. That's why that $500 is kind of that, that base that I think at a minimum you need to be planning on doing it. So, you know, when you look at I have 10 employees, that's only $5,000 a year. That's now, n- not that much. But let's point something out. You're talking about like the maintenance here. If you've got a situation where, say, there's a new software that you're implementing. Yes. Then that's a different story. That's a different story. So if there is a specific task that you have to bring someone up to speed, plan to spend more. You're going to be two, $3,000 for that one employee. Just for that one event. Just for that one and, piece. But you need to make sure that um, one thing that's really nice that I see uh, smart companies do 
is when those employees come back from those trainings, they always work a, a staff meeting, company meeting around that employee coming back to share the information that they've learned. Yes. And it does two things. It does one, that the person who attended the training learned it. They have to remember enough to teach other people. So now they're that teaching principle allows them to research or revalidate what they've learned and to deepen it into their memory. And then not only that, but we get a little bit more of a bang for a buck for their staff or maybe the other um, coworkers that they're around. And now they're, they're getting the same information, at least at a base level that they received from the training. So now everyone in the side of the organization is, uh, been uplifted a little bit by just one person coming back. Too often people go to trainings, come back, they never get a chance to talk or share it. Uh-huh. And so it, in a month, I guarantee you it's gone, it's dead. Right. But, but when they're able to share that information, even if it's, hey, we want you to teach us what you've learned, it, that sole exercise alone will be beneficial for the company. Yeah. And so I want to take this example and I want to transition a little bit into the non-technical trainings because when you're talking about teaching others, uh, this is what I want to lead off with on non-technical training. So technical trainings, they're easier to come by. They're more clear cut. You know, it's like, oh, hey, we're going to learn how to use Excel. We're going to learn how to do Instagram ads. We're going right. to, you know, like it, it, it's very clean. But if you talk about the non-technical trainings, and so, uh, you know, and here's a little bit of a teaser. We're, uh, we're going to be doing some customer service uh, trainings here on the show coming up. Yes. And uh, I would put that we're kind of into the, uh, in the non- I'm excited for that. Well, I, yeah, I... <laughs> I'm learning to love customer service. <laughs> Maybe it's just that deep down I, you know, I'm an honorary old curmudgeon. And well, but, you know, like in the training, you know, we've kind of got away from that customer service to customer engagement. Yeah, because true. customer service has its own connotation. And though customer engagement is similar and you could argue the same thing, but the reality of it is it's, we're not really doing customer service. We're engaging customers to have a better impact with our company and a better experience for the client. And when you put it in those terms and talk about customer engagement, I get a little bit more excited because there's more to work with there. Yeah. You know, customer service is just this idea of smile and Say the customer's hi. always right. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> And that's why you don't teach this subject on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's going to be coming up. Uh, We uh, we actually should be uh, releasing that training series uh, coming up next week. If any of you guys are interested in jumping into that and learning learning from that, but uh, so when you start talking about customer engagement, for example. This is a great example of you've got some soft skills here. You've got some personalities. There are some, you know, differing ways that you can you can handle this. One of the things that I love to do is I love to take someone who's already been trained. So let's assume you've got like a receptionist. You know, this is the person that greets the customers. They answer the phones. They answer the emails, you know, whatever. It doesn't take much to teach someone how to answer the phone. You know, it's the typical, right. hello, welcome to ABC Company. How may I direct your call? And they think that that's the end of it, okay? What I like to do is I like to turn it around and I like to tell that receptionist, say, you train me right now. I want you to train me on how to do your job. And then as they're training me, I ask questions. You know, they're like, well, you know, someone calls and I just direct their call to where they need to go. And I ask the question, well, how do you know where they need to go? Well, I just ask them what they need. Well, when you ask them, do you take any time to find out, you know, what's really going on? Or do you just ask, what do you need? You know, they're like, oh, well, I kind of just ask what they need. And I'm like, 
well, how do you know if that's actually what they need? You know, what, 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 what if they, you know, don't know what they need. Yeah. They, they don't know what they need. They think that, you know, they, they want to buy, you know, this product when in reality, you know, one of your other products would better serve them. And you as the receptionist, instead of sending them, you know, off to the wrong person, you know, you could send them like, like picture, I'm just going to use kind of like a car dealership that sells trucks and cars. Well, if someone comes in and they're just like, hey, I need a new car, and they just say car because that's the terminology that you use, and then yeah. you transfer them yeah. over to you know where, where the cars are sold, when in reality, they wanted a new truck, but they just said, I knew, need a new car in the generic sense, and now they're getting transferred over from right. the car to the truck. And yeah. I get that that's a, you know, kind of a simple example, but it happens all the time where it's like, hey, you as the receptionist, you could have asked a simple question. Oh, you need a new car? Cool. What are some of the things that you're looking for so that I can get you to the best person to help you with that? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm having a good experience. But if I haven't asked that person to train me, I can't turn around and improve their performance because I don't know what their performance is. Yeah. Yeah, not the non-technical is so much harder because you're you're just you're dealing with things that don't always like I think the word measurable still sticks out that it's harder to measure the success of of what they're doing. However, too often most of the training that we need is non-technical. Yeah. You know, we we I know how to do my accounting, but maybe I don't really know how to craft uh, an email that when I send it out and say, I need these financial reports ASAP, that they read it as a, oh crap, I'm in trouble and I needed it <laughs> versus no, what I really was just saying is that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I need the financial reports by X amount of time because I'm, I'm going to start working on these reports in the next week. Mm-hmm. But the ASAP all of a sudden puts this, oh no, are they mad? You know, right. because it's, you know, so the learning how to do other, th- other, uh, training outside of just that technical uh, gets overlooked very often inside of the workplace because we're so focused on, you know, those technical skills that are show whether or not they're successful at their job. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're in any sort of supervisory or management role, whether you're the owner or whether you just oversee, you know, two people, right? If you're in that role, you have an obligation, this is my opinion, you have an obligation to do informal, ongoing trainings on a weekly basis. If you yes. haven't touched base with your employees weekly and done some form of training, now when I say some form of training, everyone always goes back to that three-ring binder that they want to open up and they're yeah. just like, okay, you know, let's do section 7.1, you know, and we're going to read this. I'm like, no, no, no. The informal training is you sit down with them and you say, hey, how did your sales go last week? Oh, you know, they were okay. And all right, what could you have done better to engage the customers? Oh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Boom. That's an informal training right there is you asked them to think about that sales engagement that they had. And so now they're questioning, oh, did I really do what I should? Oh, okay. Let me try some other things. And, And so that should be happening regularly as the non-technical training side of things is if you're in any sort of supervisory management position, 
It's your responsibility to make sure that you're hitting that with every person that you oversee. I don't care if they're the janitor. Like, you should go to the janitor and you should be asking and saying, hey, how are we doing on our supply management? Huh? What do you mean our supply management? Yeah, all the toilet paper and paper towels, like... You know, does that stuff get wasted? Yeah. You know, are, are, are people just making a mess? You know, what would what would make your job better? And here's the other thing. So let's say that, you know, it's a janitor and they're just like, look, I know how to clean the room. Start teaching them some other things. Exactly. And that's where I was hoping we'd go with it, that too often that we look and we give the training just specifically for what they need to be successful with their job. We forget that... Uh, a major reason we train people is for improvement, okay? Not just improvement in their position, but improvement so that they can grow and develop within inside of our company and as an individual. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad you made that point um, because I want to make sure that we make sure that that's very clear that some of the training that we do should be uh, unrelated to what their position is, but Mm -hmm. it should be professional development allows them to build additional skill sets where we can maybe cross train them with another department now. So if we have someone that shows up sick or wants to take a two week vacation and all of a sudden we get in a little bit of a bind, oh, hey, you know what? We've cross trained so-and-so. Let's bring them over for a little bit. We can afford to do that and and provide other opportunities to do that. But um, so yeah, great, great, great point. So one more thing that uh, that I think is really valuable um, so managers, business owners, oftentimes you have to say no. You know, someone comes to you and they ask, hey, can we do this? And you're like, no, we're not going to do that. That's a training opportunity right there. If you're going to say no, take the extra 30 seconds and say, this is why I'm going to say no. Or before you give your decision, ask them, what do you think I should say? You know, and, <laughs> and if they just come there and like, well, yes. Okay, why should I say yes? Because I want it. Okay, so should I give any employee anything that they want just because? Well, no. Okay, then, you know, if you were in my position, what do you think I should do? And and use those kinds of things to, you know, to help them think through and, and get trained. So, you know, yeah. when we're talking about the non-technical, I think there are some key things here is one – you know, ask a lot of questions, put them in a different role, you know, make them think right, in a different right. role. Uh, you know, as, as you were explaining, uh, train them things that are not directly related to their job, not even things that are indirectly related. Just train them, just teach them, keep their mind engaged because that will translate into other, you know, I, I look at sports. How many athletes spend time lifting weights? And you could argue that, you know, when you play golf, do you really need to be able to, you know, bench press 300 pounds? But Tiger Woods showed that, oh, you know, like he was the first golfer, in my opinion. I'm not really a great <laughs> golf fan here, so may, maybe I'm completely wrong. But, you know, he came to the table and he's very strong. And yeah. all of a sudden his drive was so much further And it's like, why is his drive further? Because he spent a lot of time in the weight room, Mm -hmm. you know, just strengthening muscles. It had nothing to do with golf, it seemed, but it really did. Yeah. Yeah, great point. So uh, training programs are, you can't afford not to have one inside of your organization. Structuring it is a little bit trickier. Um, Sometimes it can be department by department. Um, Sometimes employee by deployee. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we don't really say, hey, focus on online or, or in person because both have value and it probably depends on the situation, what you're doing, but it should be a mix. Mm. There's value that you get from online versus uh, in person where you can have that engagement, um, ask questions in real time that you don't always get to online mm. or a Zoom or any of the other formats, you know, uh, that are out there. Uh, so I do, I do always encourage people to take advantage of live ones when they can. Um, and, and then of course, you know, I, your training needs to be, uh, has to have a base because of the job position, but allow for a little bit of a diver- diversification so that that employee can explore other opportunities and avenues that allow them to progress as an individual. Yeah. Um, and, and now last, but certainly not least, I encourage a lot of people to find ways to have a, an incentive tied to what they're doing. Do you want, we don't like, I'm not a fan of penalties, but I am a fan of incentives that, you know, if, if they can show me that they've uh, gone through and got their uh, Microsoft office specialist. So they've got their certs in word and Excel and they get that certification. Great. Uh, here's uh, a dinner for two to wherever. So that there's some incentive in there that, that they understand that you see value in it and that you want them to achieve these things and be successful because it benefits the organization. Now, keep in mind, if it's going to be a salary incentive, a wage increase of any kind, it should be standardized in your company. Don't do it arbitrary. Don't, you know, say to someone, hey, you know, if you do this training, I'll give you a wage increase because then the next person is like, well, I did my training, you know, where's, yeah. so like, yes. but I'm not opposed to that. Just make it a standard to say, you know, in our company, once you've got your Microsoft office suite specialist or whatever that training was that you just listed, you know, once you have that training, yes. then we bump everyone in the entry level position up by 50 cents an hour. Like that's just Correct. You know, what we do in our company. And I think that sets a good precedent for the company when people see that, oh, hey, there, there's a monetary value to getting trained and then there's ongoing incentives for just Correct. being engaged. Yeah. So if, if you have other questions, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, we're always happy to answer questions and, um, and share, you know, maybe thoughts about where you're at, what you're trying to implement um, based off of, you know, uh, our, our years of working with other organizations and what's been successful given scenarios that are similar and, to help support and grow up. But please, if you don't have a training uh, program inside your company, get one going um, and and use it to grow employees because it will lead to profitability for your organization. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up. Unfortunately, we didn't get to all of, I know you have hilarious stories <laughs> of training. Maybe, maybe one of these times we'll just do like an outtake and... <laughs> You know, like what do they used to call them, bloopers or something? I don't know what they call them nowadays, but the outtakes where you know we I, maybe share some odd I, stuff yeah, just here I, and there. And I, <laughs> I've heard some of your stories of some of the training requests that have have come uh, across your I, desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some we cannot share on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, so with that, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. 
Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month, and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.